Okay, good morning. I feel like I do need to reintroduce myself to you. My name's Key. I'm the long-lost pastor of Bannockburn. It's really, really great to be back with you this morning. Uh, Do me a favor, quickly turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. That's where we're going to be. Uh, But while you're turning there, I definitely want to to say thank you so much for the incredible gift that you gave me this summer to be able to go on uh, sabbatical. Um, After 23 years of ministry, I've never had a sabbatical. I've always heard about them and how great they are. I never actually thought I needed one. I feel like I have a pretty good, you know, my mentor, my father-in-law taught me how to put margin in your life and make sure you're resting Sabbathing all the time. And I feel like I do pretty good with that. So I never thought of myself as needing some big, long one, you know. But boy, did I need it. And I didn't know how bad I needed it until I got in it. And I began to feel energy, just physically energy, emotional energy, just that I hadn't felt in a long time. And I went, whoa, like I really was depleted. And I was surprised by that a little bit. Um, But I am really, really grateful for that tremendous gift that you gave me. And I am uh, feeling flushed out and filled up. I don't know how to explain it other than that. And, but I'm incredibly energized to be with you this morning and see your faces and hang with you after the service. I can't wait for all of that. If you're interested in what journey I took uh, during the Sabbath, or during my sabbatical, um, I actually journeyed through and read through Dante's Divine Comedy, all three volumes, uh, from the Inferno all the way to Paradiso. Um, I also went through a lecture course on that. I also went through, uh, I read again uh, Augustine's Confessions with going through a lecture course on that as well. So, deep dive journey. Now, email me. If you want to know more detail, I will load you up with all kinds of things you don't care about. I will talk about it all day long. It was a powerful journey, a wonderful journey. Uh, If you want to know more, email me. I'd love to discuss it with you. But I want to thank you for your generosity to me. It was incredibly generous, and I am very, very grateful. You know, senior pastors are are tempted all the time to think the second we vacate or we take a break or we get away from the church that everything is just going to implode and collapse and crash and burn. And that's what you think. That's what you think. And so I'm due to our amazing pastoral staff. um, I go away all summer, and things get better. Uh, so I'm definitely like answering deep questions now in my own heart about, about that. But to Pastor Harley, Pastor Casey, Pastor Chuck, uh, Pastor Matt, um, and Pastor Craig doing an amazing job. We have amazing pastoral leadership. Rob McClellan, all on the, on the central team for our church, giving leadership with such excellence Um, we have seen some incredible thriving this summer in our church. And I just tell you that that also contributes to me having a great sabbatical because I don't have to worry so much about it. But I really am grateful. It's a gift that these guys took on more this summer. It's a gift to me as well. That does not go unnoticed. I thank you guys. And and, uh, your pastoral leadership is excellent, and I'm really grateful. Um, Okay, so we are in our week two of our current series, Mindset, and that we're taking uh, every thought captive as the scripture says and we looked at that last week last week we realized that we are in a battle and the surefire way to lose a battle is to not realize you're in a battle for one the other one is not to fight to win you have to fight to win there's fighting and then there's fighting to win and you have to fight as a believer the mental battle in Christ um, this is not something you can sort of kick up your feet and coast through. This is something the Bible calls an imperative that says fight. You have to fight. And you have to fight to win. You can't be passive on this. 
This is something that we're supposed to walk into and fight. The Christian life is the battle of the mind. Paul said, set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. Set your mind. We talked about it last week. Hitch your mental wagon to the person of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in your life. And follow him and bring everything into submission. The big philosophies and structures in your world and in others. And even the little explosion of a thought that happens. Even the very first initial thought. We take all of that and we say submit to Christ. And we take mastery of what happens in our minds. And we take every little thought and we arrest that sucker. We put handcuffs on it and we drag it to the feet of Jesus. And we say obey sucker that's what I do literally, yeah, talking to myself, uh, driving down the road. You'd go, what is he talking about? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm bringing that thought into captive, and I'm making it obey Jesus, right? <clears throat> the battle of the mind is not won by trying harder. If you try hard to win the battle of the mind on your own, you're just shuffling the deck. You're just shuffling the deck. You can't do it by organizing better, mental disciplines, all the things where you're relying on you. Your ability to battle in the mind, has to, the source has to come from outside of you to give you power to win that battle. We see this all last week. And all of those are good things. Making lists, organizing your life, you know, time management, all, all the things to try to win the mental battle and try to organize. All that's, all that's good. But if that's all you have, you know, lists, organization, good coffee, Thank God for Summer Moon. It does help, I have to admit, it does help. But if that's all you have, you lose. You lose. The pattern is this, that Christians have received the Spirit of God into their minds. When we were saved, the Spirit of God came to live in our minds. And what he did was he went to the wheel of your life, the main wheel, captain's chair and he dethroned a power in your mind called the sinful nature the one that you could not master but he could and he kicked him out of that chair and the spirit of God took the wheel the will that you offered him and he took control of it but he didn't keep it listen the Bible says one of the fruit of the spirit is self-control. In other words, the Holy Spirit dethroned that power, but he also turned to you and said, now come, get the wheel. Take the wheel and in relationship to me, by my power, focus on me, listen to me, and obey me in your mind. And we're going to journey together. You have the wheel, but you have my power and my freedom now. Now obey me in your thought life. Obey me. And as you do, you're going to experience what we, the Christian doctrine of the renewal of your mind. He is going to lead you to life, to mental renewal. And that's what Jesus wants more than anything in your life. Because if he can get that cockpit of your life submitted to him and full of life and full of power and renewed, all the rest of your life will be impacted. He won't have to tell you how to behave externally as much. His focus is right there in the mind. So this is not just a other thing that we want to deal with. This is the central subject of Christianity. 
the renewal of the mind. One of the major forces, as you have the wheel, Spirit of God is leading you, you're empowered by him. One of the major forces that comes into that realm as you're seeking to live by the Holy Spirit and bring your mind to submission to Christ, major force that begins to enter in for all of us as believers is the force of anxiety. And so this morning what we're going to do is we're going to look at the biblical doctrine of the battle of the mind and dealing with this one force, anxiety. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 10, 38 to 42. I'm going to read it and then I'm going to have to preach faster than I've ever preached because we got just a little bit. But listen closely. Luke 10, 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is God's word. Will you pray with me? Father, we, uh, we have set aside this time as your followers, your children, and we have set it aside from the common things. And we seek to sit at your feet, to still our minds and our hearts, to get ourselves away from distraction. And we want to hear you clearly. And Lord, we ask in this moment that all the benefits that come from that, Lord, would you produce it in our hearts? Would you produce it in our minds? Teach us what it looks like, a mind submitted to Christ in the face of anxiety. Give us power and energy and clarity and wisdom to win it. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So in our text, Jesus is at Martha's house. Martha's doing what any woman of that day would do. Hosting guests at your house is a huge deal. Not casual like our culture. A huge deal. Reputation's on the line. I mean, all of the shame and honor of hosting is very important. So she's pressured by a lot of things in, the, in, the, in life and in culture to, to make sure that it's just right. She wants her home to be enjoyed by this host. She wants herself to be enjoyed. But she wants to make sure this is a, a perfect event. Um, her sister Mary, who probably, who's, probably lives there too, um, also knows these expectations of this culture and how important it is that we host well and how it's shameful not to host well. She should know all of those things. And we're all in here. We're trying to work and prepare. And she's just sitting there in the living room on her can. And uh, y'all feeling Martha a little bit? Like I see, I see, I read this all the time and I go, yeah, Martha, I get you. Like I would be like, hey, what are you sitting there for? Lazy bum? We're up here busting it, trying to do things for people and you're just going to sit there? I mean, I feel that a little bit. And then Jesus uh, kind of gets pulled involved because Martha walks in and goes, hey, Jesus, if you know of any of my sisters that are in here, by the way, um, would you ask them to help me? You know? And Jesus responds to Martha uh, with this, this term, Martha, you are worried and upset. Two terms, synonymous, and two terms kind of stacked on top of each other to kind of give emphasis to it. You know, worried and upset about many things. 
Um, I want to look at these words real quick. Because when you look at these words, you'll see that this is a real event that took place in a real house. But it's analogous for all Christians for 2,000 years. We have all gone to this text to say it's an, an analogous of the mental battle with anxiety and with the cares of this world and that sort of thing. And we go to this and we see ourselves. And that's what I hope has happened this morning. Worried and upset. Worried, the term, the Greek term there is miramnao, and it's a torn mind. It's a tug of war in the mind. You know, tension, tension on the road, tension in the mind. Like the forces just wearing on each other and tearing your mind apart. That's the, that's the picture uh, in the Greek. It's the exact same term that Jesus used in Matthew 6, 34, when he says, therefore, do not be anxious. Do you be anxious? Don't be miramnao. Don't be torn in your mind. And then he says, it's not just about all the preparations for Martha. For Martha, it was all the preparations, right? He says in Matthew 6, 34, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Mm. Okay, it just took on a whole new personal conviction. Amen? Because it's not just preparations. We, like, I don't worry about preparations. But tomorrow, that's a different story. But it's the same thing happening in the mind in both two main causes of the anxiety of this kind that Jesus is addressing here. Basically, is the mind being focused on the things. Coming from being driven internally by the cares of the world rather than being driven by the things of God. This is the tension. And Jesus says, you're not going to change a thing about tomorrow by worrying about it. You can't add a, day, a single day to your life. It'll only make it worse. The more you try to worry about tomorrow that you cannot control, you're going to ruin today and tomorrow. You're going to make it worse. Anxiety about eating, drinking, wearing the future. It's a mindset that subconsciously what you're trying to do is to provide for your own security. And you really don't have that ability. And the byproduct that's producing is anxiety. You're looking for security for your needs. You're looking for security for your finances. You're looking for security for your future. You are trying to secure for yourself the future, all possible outcomes to your favor, to your good. And then your anxiety, that is what's really driving this type of anxiety. And you think that you have to do this by yourself because you think that if you don't, no one will. And Jesus says you're wrong about that one. And that's why you're anxious and you shouldn't be. And this is the anxiety that we're talking about this morning. It's the kind of anxiety that is sort of a low-grade, constant hovering sense of fear that we carry about potential outcomes in our life. Sometimes we don't realize we're carrying it around. We just get used to carrying it. Long term, it can cause us to experience physiological consequences from that. High blood pressure, heart issues. You can get to anxiety attacks, which is another upper scale. Anxiety attacks and panic attacks, which is a little bit higher scale. Here's what I'm telling you from experience. Your central nervous system that God gave you that's incredibly complex is always listening to you. And it's saying, is everything good? You, over a long period of time or a short period of time on trauma or whatever it might be, have sent signals to your central nervous system that you are not safe. You are not safe. You are not safe. You are not safe. We are in danger. We are in danger. And your central nervous system that controls your liver while you don't ask it to, 
Your central nervous system that controls the, the liquid that goes in your eyes, and you ain't got to worry about it, central nervous system got you. Your central nervous system that controls a lot of things in you that you can't control says, okay, we're in danger. I got this. Get out of the way. And it takes control, and it does panic attacks. It sends adrenaline to your heart. It takes over, and all of a sudden now you are having to wrestle something that has control that you don't have control over, and it's like wrestling a bull to the ground by the horns because of you, the fear signals that it's receiving. It's decided to take control. And that's my, my duct tape lay version. I ain't smart, but that's all I can figure out about it is that. That happens in people's lives. And it all, always kind of comes with a cousin named depression and despair. They're always together because that's what pr it produces. He says, not just worry, not anxiety, that anxiety that we're talking about. And there's scales of it, right? There's low grade and then there's panic. And he says, upset. Thorbatso is the Greek. Upset. It's a good word, but here's the idea of this word. It's the idea of a mind that is unhinged from a grounding source. It's a mind that has taken a, gotten into a hurricane and everything is tossing it. Everything is demanding of it and the mind is just chasing all the things. It has no real grounding and stability in it. It's just going like this. Okay? This is that word. And he says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset. He uses no terms. Anxiety, the tension, and then the distraction, and the this is what's going on in your head. But then he says this about many things. Many things. What's Martha's problem? She's experiencing stress and anxiety from her mind being driven and stirred out of a hundred things. And she is not grounded, she is thinking about everything. But then he says, But few things are needed. And he says, I'm gonna correct you. Let me get you. Tied down here, fewer. Think on fewer things, first of all. But then he goes, no, 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 let's just, just one thing. Let's get it down to one thing that you focus on. And then he says, Mary has chosen what is better. Rather than the many things, the one thing. Mary has chosen what is better, the one thing, and it will not be taken away from her. And he's, in other words, what he's saying is, I, she's chosen a good thing, and her mind's stable because of it. I'm not going to make her leave and go help you in the kitchen, basically. The church is always pointed to this because we see ourselves in it and we see what happens in our mind through this story that actually took place. And it's a beautiful portrayal of the pathway of Jesus dealing in the mind of a believer the issue of anxiety. And so let me give you a couple of things. The battle to defeat anxiety, two things. One, choose the one over the many. Choose the one over the many. In your life, we have many things in life. You know what Jesus is saying when he says many things and Martha is focused on many things and being distracted by many things? Do you have many things? When you wake up in the morning and many things is calling, right? Uh, we all have many things, right? We do. Every day you have a choice. The many things are the one. That's what the choice we have. The many things can be energizing for a little while. You know why? Because the many things shout to you and say, come, have control of your life. And come, and when you master me, you come. You can master me and you'll have control and you'll have security. The many things cries out to us and says that it offers security if you'll meet its demands. 
And it says, hey, I'm the most pressing thing right now. I'm the thing that's most important to you right now. And I should be the most important thing. If you come over here, you'll get control and you'll get security and you'll have peace. And in that, you're abandoning your only real source of security. Your father. Who is already in your life mapped out every possible outcome all the way to the end and says to you the good things only grow and they can never be taken away and any of the bad things that happen in the many things only work for your better good only and that is secure because I do control it and I do have that control. Do you hear that? Your father says, look at the birds. Very short lifespan. I take care of them every day. Look at the flowers that lasted a good three days in Texas in summer. <laughs> right? <Whoosh>. Beautiful. <laughs> Brown. Uh, God says, I did that. And that was beautiful. And I took care of everything it needed to be that beautiful. I did it. Even it's short lifespan. It's just, and, and think about it. You are my child. I made you in my image and you are my child. Job security. You think you need a job for security? You think a job's going to give you security? Really? Working on Lala, going to New York. This popped up. I didn't explain, plan to say this, but I mean, I've been telling Lala all the time. She's been looking for a job. She's heading to New York and she's just doing it by faith. I'm going to be an actress. I'm not, she's not saying that. I'm sorry. She, but she's just going to go to New York. She feels like that's where she's supposed to be. And she's been looking for a job and all that. And I keep reminding her, Lala, a job is not going to get you secure. You have all the security you need. He knows what you need. He has a timing for you. He's going to provide right what you need. And he's going to be right on time. Let your heart settle in there. Work hard. Do all the interview. Apply for everything. Yeah, absolutely. But don't you dare worry. Don't you dare have anxiety in your heart because you have a father who has your back. You can't lose. He will provide everything you need when you need it. And you can trust that. You can feel that. And let that just be okay for today. And worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, he's, got, he's, just, he's already there, right? He's already there. And he got you. Jesus says the many things over the one will make you anxious. And you can't handle the many things without the one. It will master you. It will be your idol. It will be your source of identity. It will be your source of security. It will be the thing you're looking for to satisfy you. The many things promises all of that. In the mind, let's go back into our cockpit of our mind. The many things, Martha, right? A mind driven by many things. In the mind, the one thing, Mary. Mind that has been brought into focus on Jesus Christ, stilled itself, not worried about the distractions. Focus, one thing. Intentionally put up blinders to the many things to focus intently on the one. The mind focused on the one is centered. The mind focused on the one is focused. The one centered on the one is unmoved. The one centered on the one 
is not fearful, but trusting and peaceful and determined. And every day we exist with a choice. The many things are the one. One of the most basic elementary teachings for a Christian is that Christians create a pattern for focus on Christ in their life through meditation, reading, and prayer every single day. And also keep a faith commitment with the faith community to keep their minds steadfast in the things of Christ together with the body of Christ. It's 101 basics of the faith. Let me ask you a question. When you wake up tomorrow, what are you planning to choose first? The things that are crying out saying how important they are? Or the one? If you do not decide the one intentionally and plan ahead to do it, the many will decide for you, won't it? Have you felt that? I know I have. The many will take you and drag you along through and you'll be tossed to and fro all day. Child of God, make the choice now to fight the urge of the many things. Get to the one. Let him be master. Let him give you mastery of your own mind. And then guess what? You have power and centeredness and strength to master the many things well. That's how this works. That's Christianity. The first, choosing the one over the many. Then choose Christ over control. One more place where anxiety word is used in the New Testament. Here we go. And y'all know this one. Do not be anxious about anything. Maranatha. And then he says, don't be anxious about preparations, Martha. Don't be anxious about the future. And then it says, don't be anxious about... Anything. Dog it. Right? Because you, you're a good scholar. You could kind of find loopholes. You know what I mean? He just removed all loopholes right there. There is no reason you should ever be anxious. Ah. But you know what it assumes? Paul writing this letter, he assumes you, it might pop its head up in your, in your mind. It might. It might. And if it does, we have a remedy. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Centeredness, confidence, strength. Let your instincts become leaving the kitchen, sitting on the living room floor with Jesus, and going through these steps. When you feel anxiety well up, very quickly, I'm going to give you the steps. Get to the living room floor, first of all. Say no to all the things. Get away. Get still. Get to the floor. And then do these things. First, reveal. Ask God to help you identify the source of your anxiety. When you feel anxiety, hey, what is this? Where is it coming from? Sometimes you don't know where it's coming from. So ask the Lord to show you. Ask him, what am I afraid of, Lord? Anxiety is rooted in fear. What am I afraid of? And then when he shows you, you go, why am I afraid of that? And that will take you to a whole, probably a whole cavern in your mind that needs to be cleaned out. Don't quit on it. Hover there for a minute. Go, what am I anxious about and why am I afraid of it? And let that take you down there. Sometimes it will take you to an idol, which will be a wonderful experience for you to go ahead and get that idol out of there, have that surgery, and get it with the Lord and find the freedom 
But then once you see it, then go respond. Respond. Whatever he shows you, respond right then. Don't think about it. Don't, don't say, I will get to that. Right then, submit that thought to Christ. Drag it over to the feet of Christ and go, submit. Submit. You have the wheel by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do this in your mind. Respond and respond fully. Whatever that needs to be, do it right then. Thirdly, request. Some would say to deal with anxiety. Don't try to control things you're not controlling. Just stop trying to control and accept things the way they are. Makes sense, right? Do you know that's not the biblical answer? No. You want to stop controlling the future? The Bible says go to the one who has the future and ask him to do it. That's literally what's happening here. No, you're not to just, oh, well, whatever happens, happens. No, go to God and pray and request, submit your request to him. If this is driving you crazy, something in your future that is, is wearing on you, then go take that to the Lord and go, Lord, and then ask the question, what am I desiring to happen here? What am I desiring with this? And give that request to God. Put it on his plate and offer yours. Ask him, ask him. And so the, the method here is not just to stop worrying and accept things however they... No, make your request. He can actually control it. You can't control everything, but you can affect everything. Did you know that? Through prayer. You can go to the one who can. So make your requests known. And then lastly, release. Release. When you finally get to this point, you've made your request. Now, it's on his plate. He has it. My plate's clean. I'm not worrying about it anymore. I am releasing this. So you do one of the things that you do to release things, right? You write it on a sheet of paper and you burn it into fire. That's one thing. Or in your mind, you can do what my sister-in-law did one time, getting rid of the pacifier from one of her kids. She tied it to a helium balloon and went outside and went, hey, oh, bye-bye. I was like, oh, yeah, all the meltdown of just, well, sometimes in your mind, you might go, hey, you know what? This is the thing, Lord, I've handed it to you. That's a helium balloon. It is gone. I can't chase it. I can't get it back if I wanted to. It is gone. And you get yourself, whatever it is for you, psychologically, get yourself to the place, spiritually with the Lord, where you say, that is not my worry anymore. It's gone. It's on your plate. You have it. And boy, will you feel that muscle relax. You'll feel it. And this is tangible, real, mental state. You will feel a difference. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, you can't explain it, will fill that place. Will relax that muscle and let you feel peace and in control. And then lastly, resolve. You get up from that living room floor and you decide from that point on that that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to act accordingly in my life. I'm going to walk according to this mindset and I'm not allowing that back in. I'm going to walk accordingly. Now when anxiety pops its head back up after that, what do you do? Same thing. <laughs> Same process. Stop, get away, get to the living room, look at Jesus, do the process of the R's all over again. By the way, do y'all like that they're all R's? Come on, I worked hard on that. Y'all didn't even like notice. All right, your choice today, this is it, right? Mary, Martha, the many, the one. Christ or control? It's the choice you're going to have every day of your life. Choose the one. Let go of control. Let Christ have control. 
let's fight this battle. Let's receive the benefits and the rewards of it. Amen? And in that peace and solidarity that comes to our souls and our minds by the power of Christ as we fight, guess what happens? He uses us in the world. Amen? Let's pray. So I want to briefly ask you a question. Are you plagued by anxiety in your life? Could it be that the Lord is letting anxiety lead you to his son, Jesus Christ, who will offer his peace? And you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and master. You can do that right now. And I would encourage you to do that. Turn to him. Just in your mind, see yourself as Mary, sit at the feet and ask Jesus, save me, Jesus. I need you to forgive me. I need you to live in me. Save me from my sins. Save me from myself. Save me from my anxiety. Save me from my idol. Save me from everything. I give the wheel my will of my life, control of my life, I give it to you. Come in, be Lord. Save me, change me, make me what you want me to be. Maybe you're a follower of Christ and the many has called for so long and you've responded so long that you're a little bit mastered in your mind by the many and you need to do some business with the Lord this morning for the welfare of your soul. And that's good because you're in a sanctuary, the house of the Lord, the living room floor, and Jesus is here. And you can do that. Just take a moment during this song and just symbolically leave the kitchen in your mind, sit in the living room floor with Mary and do business with Jesus. Father, we give you this time. It's a time of response. And I pray that because of these next few minutes, Deep strength, peace, confidence, centeredness pours into many souls in this room, many minds in this room because we met with you. We pray it all in Jesus' name.